welcome to issue 54 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here, we take a good look at that most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Chris, aka Scarlet Rhodey, and joining me is Steve. How you doing? Mike. Hey, Chris. Nice to meet you. You too. And Daniel. Welcome to the show. Thank you all for having me. Okay, Chris, welcome to the show. This is your first time on, I believe. Yeah, um, and only second podcast I've ever done. Oh my, and back to back at that. Doing the rounds. I'm just, it's, I feel popular all of a sudden. (laughs) Well, welcome to the secret lair, Mind the Sharks. So we always ask our guests a few villain questions before we, before they get into the meat of things. So we have three for you. First off, you are Scarlet Rhodey. Some of our listeners might know you, some of them may not. So what is it you do here? Well, usually, uh, Kind of defend some of the heroes uh like she hulk and wasp but mostly i'm just on the discord having chats being a leadership player fellow she hulk player i like that oh yeah she's uh probably my main ish until since um well before ant-man and wasp really showed up and i have not gotten scarlet witch yet who is my favorite comic book character hence the name scarlet uh-huh, uh-huh. All right. Okay. Next question. Who is your favorite villain in the Marvel universe? Oh, that's actually pretty tough. And I'm not sure. I think I gravitate toward uh, Ultron and Kang stories, actually. I'm a bit on the Avenger side of the comics. So their sort of um, villains tend to be more interesting to me. I like Graviton as well, uh, since he's often very overpowered. And so the heroes usually have a very tough time taking him down. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Do you have a favorite movie, comic, TV series you want to give a shout out to? Well, I'm always the biggest fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. If you've not watched all seven seasons, uh, I think they're on Netflix in the U.S. And that has been one of my favorite shows for years. I just love it. I feel like it's watching a comic book um, as it changes genres and really reinvents itself a lot. Other than that, WandaVision, I mean, it has Wanda and Wiccan, who's always in my, um, you know, avatar picks on Discord. So that's just been fantastic and no spoilers. <laughs> nice. All right. Last question. Uh, if you could choose any hero to watch getting beat up over and over, who would it be? Ooh. Um, if we're counting U.S. Agent... Or the Punisher as villain as uh, heroes, then those two. All right. <laughs> a particular reason? Uh, well, I mean, one's a racist trash bag, and then the other is the Punisher. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome. Okay, Daniel, why don't you take it from here? Chris, thanks for coming on. We're having you you here because you very sweetly, kindly, and respectfully essentially called me a dummy on Discord. <laughs> For my for my backstory um, discussion on Yellow Jacket, and so you know, 
I did a very cursory amount of research and, and the, you know, the 10 to 15 minutes I gave it brought me to the movie. And so my, my work, and I put that in scare quotes, was largely movie related. And then you very, like I said, very respectfully and kindly on Discord said, there's a lot more to Yellow Jacket than that. And, um, and so he called I called you out, Daniel. He called you he called out. Me out. He called me he called out. You out. Like, but, you know, in a, in a way, I didn't feel that badly about it. I felt, well, first off, I felt, yeah, I deserve that. And second is, um, I, great. And so ho- hopefully we'll have lots of people on the show after I do a backstory of a villain. And, and sort of like, maybe that could be a new thing, Steve. Like, I say something and then someone comes on about a month later to correct it. Uh, that could be like a, a new, just a new thing. It's, it's so, double the number of shows we can do. Wouldn't that be helpful? I'm I'm trying to help you. And so, so yeah, you said that there's a lot more to Yellow Jacket. And I said, well, why don't you come on and tell us about Mr. Cross? And you happily agreed to do it. So we're delighted to have you give us a lot more about this cool villain than we we gave originally. I gave originally. So welcome, Chris. Thank you. Well, uh, no problem. And you did do a, a great job of MCU, Darren Cross. And so, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of MCU Darren Cross and comics Darren Cross until you know, very recently. So he first premiered in April 1979 in Marvel premiere uh, number 47. And there we learned that he owned Cross Technologies, which in the probably mid to late 70s to about the mid 80s, Cross popped up a lot in the comics, sort of similar to Roxxon and other corporations. But while he was leading them, he also developed from over from working too much a heart condition and was fitted with a uh, with an experimental pacemaker. It's, I think the best way to phrase that, which also gave him super strength and kind of a pink color to his skin. Uh, it kind of was a bit more hulky looking, which is kind of random. Hmm. Yeah. And so one of the problems with this was that his heart was obviously unable to handle his new super strength and all of that. So it would give out quite often. So he did, of course, the reasonable thing, kidnap Dr. Erica Sondheim, a heart surgeon, and also would kidnap people from, and I believe I'm quoting from the time, the slums, which is probably really problematic. Viewing, of course, that he was more important than, you know, their lives, right? And would take their hearts so that he could survive. <laughs> totally normal. Wow. So so he kept this, like, kidnapped doctor doctor in a bunker or something and just kept doing heart transplants? Pretty much, yeah. So over That's and over fantastic. again. Right. Which he kind of stumbled into a problem with uh, one of our heroes, Ant-Man, uh, Scott Lang, to be exact, because Scott's daughter, Cassie, who we know from the game, she's Stinger, um, she's also on his obligation, she had a heart condition, and so he needed to seek out this Dr. Sondheim, because she was super famous, and discovered that she was kidnapped. At this point, Scott's not Ant-Man yet. Uh, this is also the same first issue that he becomes Ant-Man by going to Avengers Mansion and stealing Hank Pym's uh, unused Ant-Man suit in order to shrink down and go steal it. And so he does. He, you know, quote unquote, freeze. You know, we're not sure. Maybe Dr. Sondheim was less than kidnapped. There might have been consent. And during this fight, 
Cross's heart basically gives out, killing him. So he existed for all of two issues in the comics, numbers 47 and 48, this story arc, until about 2015, when Twist... His son, Augustine, who we did not know existed until that point, had actually kept his dad in like a suspended animation, cryogenic sort of thing, and decided to recreate a lot of the uh, cast of characters, if you will, around his father's death by sort of kidnapping Dr. Sondheim again, and also kidnapping Cassie Lang. Why would he kidnap Cassie Lang? What is she going to do? Well, for her heart. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And because in the meantime, Cassie had become a superhero on her own. Uh, she had become stature, which is, she was a size changing superhero as part of the young Avengers. And a big difference between pin particles in the comics and the movies is that they don't need them to grow or shrink. If you're a person who have been like exposed to pin particles for a long ish time, it's just part of your body now. And so you just get to go grow size at, as like sort of how we would, you know, clench a fist, that sort of thing. And her body is totally full of pin particles. And so her heart actually works better because it can grow with the needs of Darren's body. Still with me? Okay. <laughs> right. Is this, so you're saying it's 2015 from 1979. Is that also like, 35 years in comic book time so or is it not you know what i mean like because cassie would be older like she'd be pretty old by now if this were really 35 years later right um the comics are on like a sliding time scale i okay. think yeah it's something like 10 years of real time is about a year in the comics oh, okay. uh, which is really crazy to think about with all the like events and like just crazy stuff that happens in their lives. That it's like one yeah. year. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. All right, cool. Yeah. Because everything since, you know, the, the sixties in Marvel comics has happened to these characters. Uh, there's no big reboots. Uh, there's retcons where we change the story a little bit, but nothing like sure. that. Um, okay. Also, Cassie died once and then came back. So she's a little younger than she should have been. <laughs> Don't ask. Of course. <laughs> okay. Another question. Is she Stinger at some point or is that someone else? She is Stinger, but at this point, she's not Stinger yet. Okay. Yeah, it's a newer code name that she picks up later on in the same series. This is uh, Ant-Man, uh, written by Nick Spencer, and then uh, The Astonishing Ant-Man, the title changed a little, also written by Nick Spencer. Uh, and this is all coming out around the time that the movie comes out, so, you know, synergy. Uh, Darren had to come back. <laughs> So he does come back to life using Cassie's, you know, pin particle heart. Helps him live, although he has no control over these pin particles. So he does shrink to a very tiny size and gets stuck there for a while. While Sondheim does end up saving Cassie's life by, like, giving her another heart. And so, which also means that she no longer had any superpowers, for whatever reason. Because that's how hearts work. Oh, where'd the extra heart come from? Just random heart in a jar? Like... <laughs> I can't remember if it was a random heart and jar or oh, just they got her to a hospital and like emergency heart transplant well, sort of thing. The power was in her heart all along. Exactly. Well, this is like the Grinch. Who, Darren? Oh, including oh, with the growing three sizes. The yeah, heart. Yeah. Yeah. Darren Cross's heart was just two sizes too small. Exactly. It just needed to get, you know, some pin particles in it. 
And so he does become Yellow Jacket. And this happens a little later in the sort of story arc. Uh, he, Ant-Man for other reasons, is thrown in jail. And so Darren, along with Hank Pym's old nemesis, Egghead, um, who was in Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Ghost's dad, spoilers, for a movie that's been out for like five years, or three. And they go find the helmet, which, uh, if you look at the art on the side scheme, uh, where Darren's stealing a helmet, inside the helmet is a miniaturized lab. And so they go inside there and they find Hank Pym's next generation yellow jacket suit. And that's what Darren steals and becomes the yellow jacket at that point and uses that suit. Um, He doesn't really pop up a lot in comics since then. And this was like in 2016, uh, here and there. Uh, He even showed up in like an X-Men comic for like a hot minute. But that's sort of how he becomes uh, yellow jacket. Very cool. And so yellow jacket as a concept, though, you're right. It does start in 1968 uh, in Avengers number 59. And it's Hank Pym. Hank sort of has a mental break and creates this whole persona of Yellow Jacket, who's far more confident and less lame than Hank is. But he shows up to the Avengers and says that he killed Hank Pym. But Janet figures out that it's really him having a little mental breakdown, which has been inartfully retconned as like uh, part of his bipolar disorder. And at the end of this sort of arc, they get married and he sort of goes by Yellow Jacket for the better part of the next, like, two to three decades as a superhero. So I'm thinking about the, the story you just told. And I, I guess, why, why is he Ant-Man's nemesis? Just because of Cassie Lang? Well, he premiered in the same issue that Scott became Ant-Man. And so he is Scott's very first villain that he <laughs> encountered. So, yeah. So I think that's pretty much it. Scott Lang actually thinks Taskmaster is his nemesis in the comics, which is hilarious because Taskmaster doesn't. Um, <laughs> That's so sad and wonderful. It's also classic Scott Lang. But yeah, so Darren Cross sort of is just this very early on villain. And of course, I think he got in the pack because of synergy with the MCU. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't be the first time, uh, you know, we think... Uh, Testmaster, Black Widow, right? Supposedly this movie that they're both in. So There's a movie you say? It's interesting. <laughs> Supposed to be. I don't know. Maybe we'll see it someday. 2028, I think. <laughs> yeah. And that was a short and sweet version, but like comics are weird, man. Just super weird. And yeah. this is just an example of like, this is a weird convoluted story. <laughs> and... He's still kind of a villain. He's not in charge of his company anymore because Cross Technologies isn't really around in the comics anymore. But yeah. And I think we guys mentioned on his issue as well that he is related to Crossfire. They are relatives. Right. So who's Yellow Jacket working for nowadays, if anybody? Is he part of one of these sinister groups that we're always bringing up? I think he's kind of a you know free agent for the most part. Okay. Uh, the last time I saw him in a comic, like I said, was an X-Men comic where he was working with like a anti-mutant pro-human sort of organization and marauders. So, well, that was a very good dive into the comic yellow jacket. And uh, I think it sets the bar for Daniel to have to next time find the truth behind these villains. And that 
that's the abridged version because I don't think anyone wants to hear like that deep dive <laughs> that I can do. You know how much cutting I have to do with mine? <laughs> it's hard. It hurts. There's so much, and yeah, it's yeah. all so weird. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. could have talked about Rita, and, and like, let's just not. It's okay. When I, yeah, when I was like reading about him and then stumbled across the other names, I was like, I kind of want to know more about them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I couldn't go down that. She that didn't live very long in the comics, but she was a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So that's Which random. Doesn't ring a bell at all to me. So, what year? This must have been pre 2000. Yeah, she was. Oh, oh, yes. Um, this is like the '90s. She was with the um, OG Guardians, like the ones from the 31st century. Oh, in the MCU, really? Yeah. Um, I think she even went to the future and then like came back and was immediately murdered by uh, King-influenced Iron Man. <laughs> okay. It's a whole story. The crossing. No one talks about it anymore. We just don't talk about that anymore. All right, so why don't we talk about our second half of the show? We're going to, this is going to be one of our first, what we're calling our secret dossier episodes. So in these issues, we're going to try to take a look at a specific vigilante hero. And if you can't guess that we're going to talk about Ant-Man, you haven't been listening. Because we are going to talk about Ant-Man and all the tricks and the cheating tactics that he can use against these so-called villains. We've all chosen Ant-Man. We all picked a different scenario along with the suggested modular set. And we're going to kind of talk about how they work well or how they work poorly, some tactics that the villain can use against this little pain that they have. So I chose uh, Ultron, and Ultron comes with the under-attack modular set. And I'm looking at this in a solo mode. Did you guys just do solo multiplayer or just in general? I looked more in general, but just at his cards, not necessarily aspects okay me, me too I, I thought of him as solo in this yeah okay good all right so ultron he is our world dominating robot that was made by hank pym the original ant-man or the original yellow jacket so i don't know how i couldn't take a, a look here at ultron ultron is going to provide ant-man with all sorts of wonderful little robotic gifts that ant-man is going to hate because he's not very um he doesn't like presents, but Ultron's going to give it to him. Anyways, he's going to turn all those dead cards in Ant-Man's deck into little drones. And all these little drones, right? They're going to attack. They're going to scheme. They're going to guard Ultron. They might heal Ultron if you get the right treachery card. And Ultron's got three main schemes. And if we reach that third scheme, there's, you only got a couple turns left before Ultron wins. So Ultron's main goal, right, is to probably get to that third scheme if he can't knock Ant-Man out. Uh, with hit point damage. And Ultron has the highest hit, some of the highest hit points in the game. So Ant-Man's going to have to come out swinging and deal some real damage. And I think Ultron is like one of those proper villains that FFG gave, gave some good love to, even though I know uh, you guys don't like playing against him. But the pros that Ultron has when he takes on Ant-Man are all those drone cards that are player cards, right? Ultron doesn't have to waste any of his own cards making minions. And he can take all these key cards that Ant-Man has and turn them against him. So some of the key cards for Ant-Man, and I think we probably can agree on this, is going to be like his helmet, uh, Giant Stomp, Resize, Army of Ants. Those are the four I kind of looked at and how Ultron can mess with Ant-Man or how Ant-Man can fight back 
using those cards. Right at the beginning of the game, Ultron's going to put out some drones, and if he can get Ant-Man's helmet as a drone, that card will not be available to Ant-Man to use. And I think that really fuels his abilities, right? He can heal with it. He can draw cards off of it. And he doesn't, Ant-Man doesn't have any way to cycle out of his discard pile. He has a small hand size. He draws a few cards off a resize. But if something ends up in that discard pile, it could sit there for a while. So if Ultron can turn his tech against him, turn him into drones, it's going to give Ant-Man a real hard time. Uh, Ultron has things like Invasive AI and the Rage of Ultron too, which we're going to put more cards from Ant-Man's deck into Ant-Man's discard pile, making it even harder to get at those cards. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that, that hurts um, Ant-Man quite a bit. And Ultron hits pretty hard. He has like a two attack plus boost, plus his drones can give him a boost if he's like level three or level two and level three, right? He gets these nice little boosts. So Ant-Man may end up having to defend instead of attacking because he can't heal because his helmet's been turned into a drone and thrown into his discard pile. The upgraded drones environment, that can help Ultron out a lot by limiting Ant-Man's ping damage that he can do. Yep. Right? And... Mm. uh the environment card requires Ant-Man to pitch some resources, which can be hard for Ant-Man because he doesn't have any uh, resource generators. He's got the pin particles, but those don't really generate resources outside of cards in his hand, and he has a small hand size. So if you can get some attachments on Ultron, it's harder for Ant-Man to deal with those. Ant-Man doesn't have much thwart going on unless you're playing Justice. He's got one thwart event, and when he flips, he can remove one threat, but it's, you know it's not a a ton. Uh, Wasp ally is probably his best bet. Right. Yeah. I think the cons for Ultron are the same as his, almost like the reverse of his pros. Or pros are if he can get rid of these cards, Ant, he can really cripple Ant-Man. But the cons are if Ant-Man gets those cards, they can really do a number on Ultron. So the army of ants do one damage. They can just ping away drones all day long. Uh, when you flip to giant form, that can also kill off a drone. If you flip to Tiny, you can remove a threat that you might be putting out instead of a drone from their main scheme option, right? There's a put some threat out or put a drone out. Well, if you know you're going to flip, you might be putting threat out because you, know, you can get rid of some of it. And man does have a defensive three, so he can, he can exhaust it, you know, absorb some damage. But, you know, if Ant-Man, can, if Ant-Man breaks the rules and uses his resize, he can flip fairly consistently, so he can take advantage of both of those abilities, which does limit the effectiveness of Ultron's abilities, of his drones, of his threat. And that one big card, I think that really ruins Ultron's day, uh, is Giant Stomp. So deal one damage to every minion in play, and you've got a board full of little drones, that's just going to just gonna crush them. Um, plus, you, plus you can do eight damage to Ultron himself, right? Right. All those are... F- that's, that's great, Steve. Can I go next? Yeah. Yeah. Because everything you said is why I didn't think to choose Ultron. Because I thought the cons were bigger than the pros. So when I play Ant-Man, and admittedly it's not been a ton of times, but it's been a couple of times. One thing that I found that I can do is I can plan my next turn pretty easily because I know I'm going to flip to this. I'm going to heal that. Like There's just something about Ant-Man's playstyle where the, the bad guy turn can't do very much to, to the plan that you have for the next turn. You know what I mean? And so I chose his the, the villain that could do the best against Ant-Man is Claw because Claw I think throws him off of that game. 
the claw encounter set throws almost everything there is at someone like ant-man so um so claw himself it's hard to do math against him like i anticipate taking x damage or whatever right because you don't know what he's gonna do and i also only thought about expert so i don't know if you guys did that too like i didn't think of standard claw i thought of expert claw um who has a lot of hit points which i think a a villain against (laughs) uh ant-man and his giant stop needs for one but then claw claws set just brings to the table so many things like one one of the things you talk about steve was that ant-man's hand size is so small well claw's got all of those fun attachments that require a hero action of spending everything to get rid of right so the solid sound body um the sonic boom the treachery like either spend all those things or exhaust each character you control and i just think being exhausted and stunned which is another thing that claw does is pretty debilitating for ant-man and and claw's a schemer so like you said before ant-man's not the guy who's going to go at that if he's not in justice so i just thought you know i don't have much beyond like what you said about the cons for ultron like claw's minions are are annoying in that you know like he has toughness his minions have tough toughness or guard his his side scheme is a crisis right like all these things are are slow down tech um for ant-man you know like claws the immortal claw getting more hit points it's i don't know i just feel like mm-hmm. it it changes ant-man's play style because he just can't sort of bank on i'm going to flip to this heal that do like because the encounter set of claw can throw a whole bunch of different things at you that some encounter sets don't do some kind of lean into a particular thing like you know ultron and the drones and stuff but i feel like ant-man takes care of those pretty easily whereas claws encounter sets just is too varied and ant-man himself is not varied and so all this stuff with toughness all of ant-man's attacks are big right so even as like even when he's just swinging it's three four damage if you got some like that's just a waste right just to get the tough off if you don't have a bunch of ants out i just i just feel like he doesn't have the hand size to deal with the discard stuff that claw brings at you and there's just too much annoying things for him to deal with yeah i agree that that was a ultron has the under attack modular set that has the concussion blasters and the vibranium armor Mm -hmm. which have the same of like you don't have the right resources to to pitch sometimes to get rid of those cards and i think that's a big downside for ant-man or an upside for the villain so that's pretty nice what what do you think mike well i chose kang because of course i did i played a little bit of ant-man but i played a whole heck of a lot of kang so this is gonna be a lot of fun let's i guess start by looking at what kang does kang's big shtick or that uh, he's got high attack power his first and last forms gain plus two attack unless you add threat to the main scheme he's got tough on every one of his forms he has uh, cards that give him tough in his encounter sets he's got lots of big minions in the sets that come that uh, come bundled with him and he's got some really really rough treacheries and a whole host of obligations so i guess well, well let's start with the bad with the bad news right what's why do we not like ant-man versus kang because army of ants right it basically nullifies tough completely it might as well not be there and especially when you draw that encounter card that gives Kang tough, that's basically a free win for him. Giant Stomp, we've mentioned, is absolutely brutal. It can one-shot any minion and just brutal damage, right? 
there's not a whole like Kang has a lot of hit points, but there's only so much you can you can do against an eight damage attack. Then there is his healing through his helmet and his alter ego forms forced response and the pim particles. He's got a lot of healing to deal with Kang's additional attack and to deal with some of that ping damage. Uh, anything that that hits Ant-Man for one or two is almost useless because you can very quickly heal it off. So I'm thinking the card that deals damage based on every obligation in your play area. If it's only hitting him for one or two, it's just not doing much. You'd really need to hit him fast, hit him hard. All right, so what's what's the good news? Uh, the good news is, is that Ant-Man doesn't have tough. So he is really susceptible to being hit hard. He's got some defense and he's good at defending, but he is really potent when he's using his base powers to attack. I mean, we saw, Steve, you were using Ant-Man in our last video and but attacking for eight with just your raw power, though. So if you can force him to exhaust, all the better. Uh, he, because he likes to use his basic powers, one of those obligations really hurts him, and that's weakened, where you take a damage each time you use a basic power. So even if you only have that obligation and because he's not worried about the ping damage, he still wants to get rid of it. And Ant-Man, we all know, likes to change form, but he doesn't like to change form into Alter Ego. It's a bit of a waste for him. So anytime you can force him into Alter Ego, which is the only place you can get rid of those obligations, is a win. More so in that, before I talk about his hand size, he has to discard more of his hand to get rid of those obligations. The uh, when it comes to treacheries, we have Manipulated Time Stream. This is the one that everyone hates. So it's discard every event card in your hand. This is awesome if you can hit on his resize or his giant stomp. Resize is the big one, right? It's the one that gets lets him hit you more than once. It's the one that lets him you know, defend and swing back. So if you can hit that, if you can hit a giant stomp, you're doing awesome. Stolen Memories, drop the top, top eight cards of your deck underneath this. Kind of hit or miss. We've already talked about... Uh, this somewhat when we talk about Ultron's drones. But then there's time travel hijinks, the one that captures the highest cost support in play. Uh, or support, or ooh, what are the keywords on it? Uh, the point is, it does catch his helmet. And his helmet happens to be his highest cost uh, attachment in his deck. The only other target for this would be Wasp, but Wasp has to be in play, which given how allies work, probably not going to be in play for very long. And there's also two copies of these. So really, really awesome. If you can get that out of the way, then suddenly ping damage is a lot more effective against him. The other fun thing about this is that if you can manage to hit on Shadows of the Past and get Yellow Jackets and Size Increase into the deck, a Size Increase combo is really nice with Kang because this is one of those things where you you better hope it goes on Yellow Jacket because otherwise Kang is attacking for six out of the gate. Now imagine he has that future weapon attack that gives him plus two and overkill. That's incredible. So there, there's your combo right there that all his villains should aspire toward. Yeah, I think that that combo works well with Claw giving getting the boost or Ultron getting the boost with like Vibranium Armor or if he had three or four drones out. So now, you know, Ultron can hit for like nine with overkill. Yeah, that Ant-Man's Nemesis, we talked about that when we did his thing. It's just a great set of cards for the villain. It is a great set. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The one last thing I want to mention. Temporal Shield. This is the shield that goes on Kang, and the next time you attack him, all that damage is reflected upon you, and the shield disappears. Army Advance is not an attack. 
it's an action, which means the only way he can get rid of this with his native cards is a ground stomp or his whopping attack, or he has to attack in tiny form, which, if you're lucky, ruins his tempo. So, yeah. All good yeah. news. Yeah, big time. And that's game. Yeah, so far, all, some interesting stuff. Uh, Chris, what, what do you got? Who do you have for us? So, like I mentioned earlier, some theme uh, Taskmaster, who Scott thinks is his nemesis. I think he's actually, like, really tough for Ant-Man uh, for a lot of reasons that I think y'all have uh, mentioned. Because I view Taskmaster as very much a, a death by a thousand cuts. And particularly if you are in hero form, you know, the main scheme just hits you a little ping damage if you're in hero form. And if you change form, which for Ant-Man and Wasp, it does mean if you change from tiny to giant, you're still getting that um, automatic response where you have to discard a um, encounter card and get hit by whatever the boost icons are as uh, indirect damage. And so that's really tough on uh, Ant-Man because he wants to flip all the time. You know, we want to use, he wants to use resize, which could be, you know, you're looking at a lot of ping damage in one turn if you just keep flipping back and forth. And I think it just keeps hitting him and hitting him. There's other cards that really hit poorly for heroes, uh, particularly uh, Hunted by Hydra, which makes you also discard a card as well as take uh, indirect damage. And as we've talked about, that four hand size when he's in Giant, which is a form that you might often end up in for the uh, villain phase because you want the defense and all of that. You probably just hit for three uh, or more. You're losing a card, and now you're down to three and really is just going to hurt that turn. Also, Mimicry, which has you discard a bunch of cards, uh, and if you discard an attack, you get attacked. Uh, and that you could be discarding your helmet. You could be discarding some army of ants or any of those really good cards because Ant-Man is a very much set-up hero without everything down. He's good, but not great. Um, so I think those, and as we talked about, he's not a great neighbor. Um, you know, he's got that two on his tiny, which is really nice, but only one event. And I think Taskmaster actually like really ramps up on the threat. There's multiple cards within sight and he comes with the Hydra Patrol. Uh, that is not a choice. You always have to play with Hydra Patrol in Taskmaster, which also adds a few, you know, the Hydra regulars who are really not that scary for taking them out, but they always have that in sight. And you can very quickly threat out um, sort of without meaning to. Uh, also, Hydra Patrol gives us the Hydra Soldiers, and I think they're kind of annoying because they're four. So he can't just take them out with just one hit. You know, you have to use that either damage from the flip or Army of Ants, so just kind of like you're not hitting Taskmaster, basically, which is obnoxious. I think, you know, it's a lot of that. It's a lot of attachments as well, as we talked about. You know, he doesn't always have the the resources available to get rid of all of these attachments and between weapons master, which is the recommended modular for taskmaster and at least one of taskmasters think his sword, you know, they're adding to his attack. Um, he already has, you know, if you play standard like me two attack, but then expert, you know, it's three, I think 
yeah, so three plus, you know, all of these sort of attachments, if you can't get rid of them, he could be hitting for five or more with boosts and really causing a lot of damage to Scott, who does have healing, but I don't know if the healing can sometimes keep up with all the ping damage, all the little things that keep happening to him and will sometimes force you into alter ego, which is not something that he really wants to be in, which causes, you know, the threat issue as well. And even I think one of the things that I feel like some people think Taskmaster is easier because of the allies you can save, uh, the captive allies. Now that's five threat he has to clear out. And if you're not justice, I think that's really tough for him to clear out. And that's, you know, if you actually get them. I've played many times with Taskmaster and never saw captive, uh, never saw the side scheme outside of a, um, you know, boost card. (laughs) That's bad luck. Very much so. Yeah. And then sometimes I get a bunch. Uh, I did a, you know, a two handed campaign with him and Wasp, uh, Wasp with Justice, and she got like four of them because almost all of the things came out at like the same time. Because she could get, but he could not thwart for anything. So, but yeah, and solo those captured by Hydras have an acceleration on them, and if he's not thwarting, you know, that's just that much more threat going on in the main scheme for for Ant Man. Yeah, and you think twelve, you see that, and you're like, that's fine, <laughs> I can do that. But it starts with one already, and then uh, there's so much insight. I don't think I really realized until I was looking at these cards to prepare for this how much threat Taskmaster just adds naturally um, through his cards. And now I've realized why I've lost a threat so many times to him. (laughs) Interesting. I I think most villains are happy to see a solo Ant-Man come at them. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I I don't know. He has so many answers to so many things. Yeah, but he's slow. I don't know. I think so. I, when I got him, I played his pre con because I tend to play the pre con on standard just to like test out yeah, yep, me too. aspect yep. cards as well. And I wanted to only do like maybe four villains, like some tester ones. I ended up playing against every single scenario I have because I had a lot of fun with him. And the only one I really struggled with was Zola, who it just Zola and I are not friends. And I feel like he just doesn't, he can be very autopiloty. And I, I know I, I've said that before, but like, I, yeah, I think generally it's fine unless you have these scenarios where you're really, you know, tearing him down a little bit. Yeah. I think what, what we've all kind of repeated the same thing a few times. I think a, a villain that's going to take on Ant-Man needs to be able to remove a few of his key cards in some manner, turning them into drones discarding them, capturing under an obligation, neuter them by dealing the damage. So he, yeah, sure he's healing, but he's not actually getting make, making any ground. If you can take care of a couple of his key cards, remove those from the game, he's not going to be able to cycle them back, and then pile on some threat, he can't thwart. So then it's a race between the villain's threat and can he deal enough damage out in time. How many giant stomps can he do before... <laughs> You can side scheme Ant Man to death too. So, like Red Skull would, I think, you know, if, although I found Red Skull to be disappointing actually as a villain in the games I played, because there's never that many side schemes out. But solo Ant Man, if there are three or four side schemes, he's, he can't do anything about that. Well, I think the thing there is you just have to focus on that tiny so much. 
and like flipping into tiny because if you're playing solo yeah. i think each of those red skulls have what three threat so if you flip tiny a lot. and thwart that's it but that means you're not attacking with that three attack right yeah have you guys seen ant-man with paired with justice much i i don't know if i've done that yet i haven't I believe I've played at least once or twice with him that, and I think, I mean, he's fine. He's fine with all the aspects, but um, yeah, that definitely does fix one of his, you know, I guess weak spots. But then that's all of his limited resources going to justice cards and not his own. I, I don't know. It's, it's a give and take, but. Yeah. And maybe, you know, aggression is just better because you can pump his stats up and, you know, one shot a villain. Right. So Chris and Mike, you guys are She-Hulk lovers right so yeah. i i, I want to bring up something that mustafa said so he's going to be in this episode darn it um i played ant-man while he was playing she-hulk and he lamented the entire time that we were playing in in the way that you imagined mustafa could <laughs> um that that the ant-man ant-man just seemed to be a much better she-hulk and and that was his thing it's like he He's another, he's just better. He's just, what does he call her? Uh, up, an upgraded She-Hulk. Um, no. What do you guys think of that? No, it, they've got... I want, you to, I want you to say no, but I need you to, I need you to say why. They've got different I also said no to Mustafa, but I had no real good reason. They've got different tactics, right? She-Hulk's got her giant hit point pool, and that opens her up to a lot of shenanigans. Like, when I pair her with Justice, I tank as much threat as I can with great responsibility and then pay it back with ground stock or, or with um uh, gamma slams so it's it's just it's another way of playing the game i mean they they both flip and they both have a three attack form but Batman is a lot more uh, he's a lot more susceptible to big hits oh so i i definitely don't play her the same way because i don't i never use gamma slam i think um but, but I think she's so different because she actually has an alter ego side that you want to be in. And it's not necessarily staying in like a, a hero form. I guess in a lot of ways, yeah, they both have, you know, those bonuses for flipping. <laughs> but I I just don't think that she's the same thing. She also doesn't rely on setup as much. When I play She-Hulk, I rarely have a whole lot of stuff, you know, outside of like maybe some normal things, you know, combat training, things like that. But she can just start hitting and she can just go, you know, one, two punch and do six damage and things like that. Whereas the real value of Ant-Man is getting down all of those supports and upgrades. And then you just kind of like go bonanzas. So yeah, I, I just don't think they're similar in that way. She's got far more healing potential too. Like she's got a base. What's her recovery? It's five, isn't it? Five. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And then, Give her a downtime. She's a seven. Yeah, I think I think Mustafa was like, you know, I'm flipping Ant Man around and I'm doing all this stuff, and and you know, healing is always a part of what he does. It seems like. Right? Let me be. Let me so, play Mustafa's advocate here. I I want you to because I heard okay. you saying that you're going to agree with him. I, like I think him. I I think I tend to agree with him. Now that they're a little different, obviously, but She Hulk and Ant Man flip into their larger form and deal damage, and they flip into their. I guess she doesn't really flip. She's always green. But then they flip back, and they both prevent a threat or remove a threat. So that that exists. Ground Stomp deals one to all the minions, but so does Giant Stomp. 
and it deals eight damage. And yes, Gamma Slam can do like 15 points, but you have to take all this damage. You have to have a little bit extra health to do that much. There's only one Gamma Slam in the deck, and there's how many giant stomps in Ant-Man's deck? Uh, Two. She has no way to heal herself naturally, right? But she has ways to take damage. Focus Rage, which are the upgrades that you kind of want to get out because she does have the limited hand size. So you want to pay for those, get those out so you can draw cards. He's using his helmet, flipping in a small form, using helmet and resize to draw more cards to compensate for his small hand size. I think Wasp is a better ally than Patsy Walker, Hellcat there. I don't know how, I mean, you return Hellcat to your hand or bring Wasp out and thwart for two and then still use her or bring her out, you know. Um, yeah, what does Hellcat actually do? I don't even know other than her action to bring her back. He's a one attack, two thwart, three health. Yeah, she's mostly there for thwart help. But yeah, and I can't disagree that the Nadia ally is like probably one of the best signature allies that we have. Yeah, now split personality is great. Hey, there's a card that lets you flip back outside of the normal flip. Well, there's, there's what, one of those in the deck? Yes. Yeah, and you've got two resizes, which are is kind of doing a similar thing, right? Like, I don't know, in Superhuman Law Division, I, I don't find that great legal practice i don't find that great so i i think i can agree with moose to say ant-man it at least feels like a she-hulk they have very similar abilities mm-hmm. and i don't know his stuff seems to just be more efficient yeah steve do you think it's like maybe if they're both in aggression it's an upgrade but I, you know he was playing she-hulk justice and that is just a really good deck um yeah, like I haven't played too much because I think she has more flexibility in Justice than. Yeah, well, now you have Lay Down the Law that you can play with Ant Man. So every time you flip into a hero form, you can thwart for four for one resource. <laughs> uh, and you've got a pin particle. So you pay for it with a pin particle and you get to either heal or remove thre- or heal or draw cards. I, I don't know. I, I like She Hulk. I still like using She Hulk. I've got to get eroded instantly. I'm sorry. Okay, so here's a question then. Too is much. Quicksilver an upgraded Captain America? Isn't any hero an upgraded Captain America? Well, they they both ready themselves to do cool things. They both buff themselves to get the most out of their stats. He does it for free multiple times. Yeah, the difference there, I think, is uh, Quicksilver doesn't retaliate. Can't He doesn't have a shield block or shield toss. He doesn't reduce the cost of allies for your friends or for you. Yeah, they're similar in that readying, but I don't think there's an, enough because a lot of the new cards that buff, I mean, the basic cards that buff Quicksilver can buff Captain America too, right? Um, Is he maybe a upgraded Spider-Woman though? Since they both want to up their, um, you know, buff their stats. And she does have those ready cards as well. I, I haven't played him enough to be able to comment any further. Not him yet. I'm just defending Mustafa on his comment. That's all. Yeah. Um, but I mean, ultimately, it's going to get to a point where all the heroes are kind of like a slightly different version of one other earlier one, right? So there's only so much you can do with the numbers and the abilities, and I don't know. They have to. Yeah. They have to be getting. They have to find their nuance in their in their 15 cards. And so. Yeah, and I don't think one makes another one any less fun to play. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I, I think, it, you know, with Marvel, it always comes down to, and I know I harp on this a lot in the Discord, who do you like? You know, yeah. 
I pick my allies, maybe not for the most optimal allies in the deck, but because, oh, I like those characters or I want to build this team, you know, if I'm playing solo, that sort of thing. Um, but I'm a big Marvel nerd and I think that's part of it. Well, Chris, that makes you a true hero. Theme, theme over function. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, because that's just more fun. So you do it on this show then. <laughs> Supposed to be the villains. Oh, crap. Well, that helps the villain when you build a theme deck over, you know, a power deck. Okay. It's on some level. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, my win loss ratio probably says that. So I I had a great time, Chris, with you coming on. I think we Thank you so much, Chris. Got to dive yeah. a little bit into this new format. We got to look back at Ant Man. this is great. I'm you're welcome back anytime. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. This is amazing. Uh I'm I'm happy to be here. This was fun. Mike, how do the good people find us? Hey, do you want to get a hold of us? Perhaps you want to tell us what superpowers your pacemaker has given you. Our email address is criticalencounterspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. We're Critical Encounters. You can find us on Discord. We are Vardane, Big Foam Loaf, The Truth, Wandering Took, and Scarlet Roadie. If you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Chris, take us out. Just imagine a soldier the size of an insect the ultimate secret weapon.